Yes, yes, once again, back again, No Chase, Film Society, the podcast dedicated to uncut, no chase, unfiltered discussion and conversation inspired by the films we know, the films we discover, and the films we love. Here again, uh, we've been gone for a while, but it's myself joined with, as usual, my partner in crime, the head of OTS, the presenter and power behind this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, Big D. Derek, what's up, man? Nothing much, bro. What's going on? Hey, man, just uh, doing the usual. <laughs> <laughs> doing the usual, man. Yes, you know, sir. Staying, staying out of trouble. Uh, last week, uh, or whenever you heard our last podcast, we talked about uh, Dolomite. So we're coming back again with uh, another one, another distinct uh, yet unique selection for our No Chase film discussion. Uh, This one was chosen by uh, our producer, Derek. So we'll be talking about today the, what year did this come out, D? 82. 82. We're talking about the 1982 a uh, comedy crime drama from Martin Scorsese, King of Comedy. Uh, we were talking about, we chose this, well, Derek chose this because we intended to talk about this um, in conversation with the Joker, the new movie uh, Joker that was, that was released a few weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't gotten around to it. And from, from what I understand, Derek, you haven't gotten around to it either. No. Yeah, so yeah, I've had a lot of time to get to the movies, man, these days. Yeah, I think the last last movie I saw in theaters was uh, Endgame, I think. Endgame, Endgame. Endgame. Avengers. No, oh, no, no. Okay. Lion King, my bad. Oh, okay. Yeah, Lion I, haven't, King. I, I haven't called Lion King. Last movie I saw in theaters was Shaft. Yeah, oh, I don't want well, to. Well, you even, threw no, me off. I'm going to say Shaft, but. <laughs> well, the, well, yeah, actually, the new one. The new one, but I was about to say Superfly, the new one too. But no, oh, yeah. I actually, uh, unfortunately, I saw both of them, both remakes <laughs> in the theater. Um, so yeah, the last one I actually saw in the theater was Shaft. Uh, yeah, I didn't hear too many good reviews about Shaft. And you shouldn't have. Yeah, that that <laughs> wasn't. <laughs> that was actually kind of shocking. I didn't realize that they 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 filmed it down here in Atlanta. I thought they would do what they should have done and filmed in New York. Well, if they're going to film in Atlanta, well, if you're going to film a movie that's traditionally, uh, you know, taking place in New York, I think it's Harlem. It originally takes Mm -hmm. places. You should at least have it look like Harlem. Um, And there's really not much in Atlanta that looks like Harlem. And that was quite obvious. And we, you know, when they, when they released, uh, when they released it, because, that movie actually had scenes that were in Atlanta that were obviously Atlanta, mm-hmm. but they were trying to pass off as New York. So mm-hmm. that was one of the problems with that movie. But, yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's a, that's the same thing I'm seeing through a lot of movies. Um, I uh, I forget where Venom was supposed to take place, but Venom, same thing. I, I think I saw a Georgia State uh, sign and um, yeah. definitely one of the parking lots. I mean, parking decks in that in that film. Um, I just it's just lazy to me when when very lazy when when video producer when movie producers go out and 
you know, instead of actually trying to make the set look like the area, they just shoot what they what they have and say, hey, this is New York. This is Seattle. This right. Like that's that's lazy, man. Right. I get I get the tax incentives for filming down here in Atlanta, but if you're gonna do it, do it right. Right. Do it right. Like like uh with uh, Tyler Perry's uh studio lot. <clears throat> you know, he's got the, the White House, a mm-hmm. replica of the right White House and stuff like that. To mm-hmm. me, that that's dope. Make it look like it. If you're not going to shoot in that area, make it look like that. And it'll be more believable. I I just right. can't I can't rock with that. Not not no, not not when cannot. when when you're in Atlanta. You're gonna say that this is somewhere else. Like you can't say that See, they they got away with with um with the Black Panther because it's a make believe, you know, area, Wakanda. Right. But you're not going to be able to sit here and tell me that this is Miami when we're clearly on Peachtree. Right. In- <laughs> Especially when you have buildings that that are uniquely identified with Atlanta or whatever mm-hmm. area you're shooting in, and you don't even go through the the effort to. I mean, it's, it's just, it was just bad. It, it's it was, lazy. Yeah, it, it was a bad effort. Yeah, yeah. Sha- as well as Superfly. I think both of them were supposed to uh, were filmed here in Atlanta. Yes, yeah, Superfly. You could definitely tell was here in Atlanta. Yeah, which which wasn't the issue, but I think the yeah. story was supposed to be in Atlanta with Superfly. But that was yeah. just a bad story. You know, it, it was just a ridiculous plot, horrible acting. Just you know, both both movies were. It were was. Pretty, it was. Pretty- and I'm I'm maybe it's just me. But I'm I'm starting to get tired of seeing uh, Rick Ross's house. Well, Evan, I still call it Evander Holyfield's house, but <laughs> I'm getting tired of seeing that that house in every movie. Yeah, I'm I'm getting tired of it. I for for Rick Ross is a beautiful move. You know, it makes a lot of sense. I think yeah. he he even has a house down the street that he goes and stays uh, to stay in when they're shooting in in that house or on that property. Oh, oh really? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just. I don't like it. I know they're using that for uh, coming of Amer- coming to America too, right? Um, but I think they're gonna change some stuff and not make it look so much like that house, which I appreciate, right? Um, but yeah, Superfly, like you could tell which street was street was was <clears throat> which street, and you know that's fine, especially if it's supposed to be here in Atlanta. But Venom, uh, uh, Shaft, all that stuff, they they they. I th- I think as a whole Hollywood needs to do better. Cuz you have yeah. independent filmmakers that are actually putting in more effort than Hollywood filmmakers and that's that's um maybe you can say that's credited toward um them being more content or comfortable and right. you know independent filmmakers are more hungry. You can say that, but it just Maybe it's just a perfectionist in me. I, I want to see the location where the story takes place, not make-believe. Right. Right. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's very low effort that's, that you find um, since the new tax credit and since, um, you know, it's so cheap and, and, and so financially efficient to shoot here in Georgia or in Atlanta. You find that a lot of the production value is compromised because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, you know, and this is just getting into our our warm up conversation. This actually works uh, pretty well into what I wanted to talk about. Well, a couple of things I wanted to mention mm-hmm. is that uh, you know, since the last time we recorded, I actually had an opportunity to catch 
a couple of movies on Amazon. Oh, which uh, ones? Uh, I caught um, this one film. Well, actually, it's two. It's two films by John Travolta. Whew, man, the dude, is, he, <laughs> he's stinking up the place lately, man. Um, I think it's that plastic surgery. I, I don't know what's on this. He's, he's, he's getting a check. That, that yeah. we do know. He's yeah. getting a check. I caught one movie he did. Uh, actually, you know what? It was it was by by surface. You would think this is going to be a, a decent watch. It's it was uh, Travolta and Morgan Freeman. It's a movie called I believe it's called Poison Rose or something like that. And it's supposed to take place. The story is supposed to take place in Galveston, Texas, but mm. it was shot here in Georgia, in Savannah, Georgia, I believe. Mm. And I think one part was shot in Rome or something, Rome, Georgia. This movie resembled nothing. First of all, it was supposed to be a period piece. I think the movie was supposed to take place in 1978. This movie looked nothing like 1978. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of maybe the wigs, the horrible wigs you might have saw. This movie looked completely modern. Mm -hmm. uh, every, every bit contemporary. Nothing like Texas. Nothing, nothing, nothing <laughs> at all like the, the southwest region of, of the country at all. Um, what time of year did it take place? I believe the movie was supposed to take place uh, in the late seventies, like nineteen seventy-eight. No, I mean, like, what time of, of year, season-wise? Probably like maybe the fall. Okay, it looked like the fall. Probably maybe summer, fall. I'm, I'm not sure. You, you saw, you saw Javolta in a coat a few times in, in, a, in a couple of scenes, and okay. uh, yeah, I want to say it was probably maybe maybe summer summer or fall um just not really a good movie man just really not a good movie there's a there's another one he did that you can also find on amazon prime which one uh speed kills did you did you, did you come across that mm -mm. Amazon? Mm -mm. yeah so it's, and this i think this takes place uh in florida shot in puerto rico i believe but uh just another bad movie yeah travolta i don't know what's up with him man I want to say the last good movie he did, and I could be wrong. I want to say the last good movie I saw Travolta in was Face Off. That movie came out in like ninety. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that you were going to at least say for Paris, uh, from Paris with Love. No. no. Was that the movie he was bald in? Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, man. Yeah. 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 That was that was some shit too. Yeah. But no, man. The, the last and, and I mean, I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. I actually saw that movie again since we last recorded and realized just how bad that movie was too. But, <laughs> it, okay, it wasn't, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to just dismiss Face Off as being bad. Mm -hmm. um, it was pretty juvenile though. You know, yes. it, it was pretty juvenile action movie. It, the pl I like the plot. Yeah, you know I, I, mean? I was but about to say, if it was reshot today, that would probably be significantly better. Well, they would have to kind of rearrange the the scenarios and how they they went about switching the face because him kidnapping a damn doctor, kidnapping two <laughs> FBI agents, and just burning them alive in in a, in a medical facility. Man, that <laughs> now watching in '96 when I think I was maybe what uh, a teenager, uh -huh. then yeah, I can buy that shit. Yeah, but now it's like, no, you're gonna have to find another way. To, to present to me or show me how this dude was able to take his face back other than sending his goons <laughs> to a surgeon's house, or FBI surgeon at that, uh -huh. snatching his ass up, 
snatching up two agents, two active agents, and setting them on fire. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna need a little bit more of a, <laughs> of a device plot than that. You know, a little more sophisticated. But uh, yeah. well, but for some reason, a movie like that, I don't know. I, I, I'm this, we could probably explore that. A movie like Face Off, as bad as the plot was, or the, as many holes as you found in that plot, mm -hmm. the plot wasn't that bad, but as many holes as, as, as you found in the plot, I bought Face Off a lot better than I'm buying the shit that Travolta's doing now. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I will say, I think the last project that I saw Travolta in um, that I thought was was done very well was actually uh, American Crime Story, The People versus O.J. Simpson, when he played uh, Robert Shapiro. Yeah, but that wasn't his movie, though. It wasn't I his think. movie. I'm just saying, project-wise, that was, to me, that was the last one that I saw him in that was done very well. I haven't oh, watched like, his movies. Him. Yeah. Yeah, I liked, I liked him in that. <clears throat> but I haven't okay. seen any of his movies in a while. Actually, I think For Paris With Love was probably the last movie I saw him in. Yeah, I, I saw that. That maybe came out about what seven years ago. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I saw that. I couldn't tell you shit about that movie there. All I, I remember was him shooting a rocket, rocket launcher, and suspending out of a window. I don't remember what the what the movie was actually about though. During that time, Travolta was tanking. You know, there's yeah. there's a movie he did with De Niro that was after that. I want to say that maybe it was like maybe five years ago. Uh, God, that shit was so bad. It was, I mean, he he was playing some foreigner uh, that was hunting down De Niro, who apparently they this was a military. They were in some type of military combat against each other. De Niro was U.S., was uh, the army or military, and Travolta's character was some foreign military, and Travolta hunted him down in the woods, and it was just a shit show after that. The whole movie was just... Just fucker. Um, and that was De Niro, who's also staking up the place to, uh, bad the last few years. But even with De Niro, you'll find spots where De Niro might have had a good performance, you yeah. know, the last few years. I don't really recall anything that I can say I saw Travolta in within the last probably 12 years <laughs> <laughs> um, that is that has really been worth talking about. Would you would you think of uh, taking a Pelham one, two, three? With uh, Denzel was, Washington, that was actually one of Denzel's weaker movies. If you it ask was, me, it was. Yeah, that was I one of his weaker. Yeah, Travolta. I'm gonna tell you, man. I thought about this because I, I was on Amazon Prime. You know, most of my you know, I've had a few days off over the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. um, so I was actually, you know, because you know when you actually pay for Amazon Prime, it's not a free trial. <laughs> yeah. You watch the shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're you're a little bit more determined to find something to watch. Uh huh. Try to squeeze that what twelve dollar value out of the shit. Uh huh. So, and and actually, just a side note, by paying for Amazon Prime, I'm realizing there's not a lot on there to it's watch. There's not. No, it's it's really a lot of a lot of you know bunk on there. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, Travolta has like four movies that's brand new. Like, all came out within the last 20, the last couple of years, like 2018, 2019 releases that are just bad. So, I said, well, fuck it. Let me, you know, I, I'm not, I can't find anything new to watch. I don't mm -hmm. see anything uh, as far as synopsis-wise is getting my attention. Let me fire up an old one, which I got Face Off on, on DVD already, but, mm -hmm. you know, let me fire up Face Off, watch Face Off, 
And I'm pretty de- determined, at, you know, at least as of now, that's the last decent movie he, he did, man. <laughs> now, and that was, and that movie was not great. That that movie, no. And you no, know, now in '96 when I watched it, I, I, that shit was hell. I mean, uh, what was his name? What is his name? John Woo, director John Woo. Mm-hmm. John Woo, uh, you know, I think he he hits a line of cocaine, man, and <laughs> everything blows up with John Woo. At 16, 17 years old, that's what you want to see. That's, yeah. That's good entertainment. Yeah. A couple of decades or so didn't pass. I'm watching it. You know, even though, the, like I said, the plot is good. It's shot well. It means not even the uh, the special effects hold up pretty well, mm-hmm. at least in, in my judgment for uh, Face Off. But the, the plot, the acting... I'm even, you know, watching, and I didn't even plan on, you know, just making this a, a Travolta <laughs> conversation. I'm wondering, man, is John Travolta really a good actor? Because this I is something I want to ask you that. Strong in the conversation with Will Smith, mm-hmm. I want to bring. But keeping it on Travolta for a minute, mm-hmm. is it? Can we? No, okay. Pulp Fiction is a classic. Yes, without a question. Without a question, we got to give him. Uh, he held that movie down. Him and Sam Jackson. That was their movie. Yes. They, 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 Star power in that movie. Yes, that was him and Sam Jackson's movie. But can we really say John Travolta is a good actor? Um, no. I I think he would be a good. I think he would be a better voice talent for like cartoons. You know, doing like villain roles and stuff like that. Um, but as an actor himself. I, Which is I, not a compliment at all to, it, to, to say you're well, better as a cartoon. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm sure Walter has has some pretty serious ambition, but yeah, I mean, so I think it still takes a lot of talent to do voice voice work, um, but I don't take him seriously in these roles. I take him more as a as a as an animated guy for some reason you remember how jim carrey went from doing all these funny movies and animated like type things projects and then he went on to uh number 23 doing a serious role yeah he took a serious turn yeah Yeah. that made more sense to me with him doing it because he actually has versatility i didn't think that back then when he did it i didn't think it was um, I didn't really have much of an opinion on it, but I didn't know how well it was going to be. When I went to go see the movie, I thought he did a, a, a phenomenal job. Travolta, to me, does not have that range where he can do comedy and serious uh, roles like that and, and be taken seriously. I, I, I don't. I take him, I take him um, more seriously in those animated roles and in those, those like comedy roles. To me, that right. seems to be where he where he makes his bread and butter. In in thriller movies, I'm just he has a funny face, and it doesn't like show to me that that like you know like he's actually in this role. Certain people, certain uh, actors, they actually like dive into a role, like Heath Ledger did with the Joker role. Like right. they they be, they're method actors, like they actually dive in. Travolta never does that. Kevin Spacey, yeah. he can do that. Um, um, let me see who else. Like De- uh, uh, Denzel Washington, he can dive into a role. Um, I don't see that with Travolta, man. 
I don't. So I think in a grand scheme of things, if you're talking about like his overall projects and how uh, he's done in them, he's not good. Yeah. Yeah, and it's pretty, it, it's pretty evident, man. Um, I, I, I've pretty much given up on the guy. I, I've watched two movies of his over the last couple of days. Uh, again, that was Poison Rose with Morgan Freeman. And Morgan Freeman wasn't that bad in the movie. Actually, he was the little bit of time you did see him on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually held his own. You know, he, he was able to carry the little bit <laughs> <laughs> that that he was a part of. He, he You know, he's Morgan Freeman. But see, and that's um, what I was, yeah, no, that's another thing. Morgan Freeman is one of those guys that can shift between genres, and like he's one of those method actors. Oh man, um, shit! Morgan Freeman played a pimp. A lot of people don't believe me when I say that, but Morgan <laughs> Freeman played a pimp with Superman. I'm telling you, <laughs> Christopher Reeve, Morgan Freeman. Look it up. Street Smart, very underrated movie. Again, it's not the best movie. Yeah, <laughs> but it's Morgan Freeman playing a pimp. And Superman is a journalist that's that's investigating, not investigating. He's a uh, things like investigative journalism, something mm-hmm. like that, undercover journalism, street mm-hmm. smart. Yeah, but go ahead. That's a side note. No, no, no. I, I, I just I think like even Tim Robbins is is a, is a guy that's like that. He can shift between yeah. roles. Um, Travolta just isn't that. I, I yeah. think even Swordfish was kind of weird with him. I'm telling you, man. Face off. Yeah. Find me something after face-off. <laughs> Again, I, I don't search for Travolta. So, right. you know, there might be yeah, something after face-off somebody can point out in the society that's listening. Mm-hmm. If you know of anything after 96, when <laughs> face-off was released, and I think I checked it when I watched it, and face-off came out. Matter of fact, I want to say it was definitely 96 and 97 because I saw face-off either right before I moved to Chicago or after I got to Chicago. Mm-hmm. So... That that movie is pretty uh pretty personal to me. And Face Off is one of my favorite movies. I don't I'm not shitting on Face Off. It's not a great script. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's it's fairly mediocre acting, but Face Off is probably one of his better movies. And Nicolas Cage, I can't forget him. Nicolas Cage was dynamic in that movie. Was, he was Face Off was a good movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Find me something after ninety seven that Travolta did, Society. Put it out there if y'all see it, if y'all know of it. But as of now, I'm telling y'all to stay away from uh, Poison Rose, <laughs> released this year with the worst Galveston, Texas accents from all actors, not just Travolta. Everybody in that movie had a shitty Texas accent <laughs> in Savannah, Georgia. Go figure. But um, yeah. yeah, stay away from Poison Rose and stay away from Speed Kills. You know, there's another one on there I saw. That Javolta, like Javolta, put out like three movies this year, man. <laughs> wow, are you serious? I want to say all three of them came out like this year. I stayed away from the other one. There's something about I, I forgot the synopsis. I didn't fuck this. I said I'm not fucking with this dude. <laughs> no time soon. But uh, anyway, speaking of of, of actors, right? Mm-hmm. I discovered something about Will Smith. We talked about Will Smith on the last podcast. Yes. Um. Gemini Man has been released since we last talked. Did you see it? No, didn't okay. see it. Okay. So it's ain't been to the movies, man. Oh, that's, that's right, that's right, that's right. Um, no, I didn't see it, but I followed a couple of YouTube videos that were giving reviews on it because I don't plan on going to see it, man. I mm-hmm. know time soon. I'll catch it on Netflix. I think it's supposed to be on Netflix in the next month or so. Already? No, it's got to go to... 
They got no. tickets to Japan or something. No, so if they I'm not mistaken, Japan because they didn't make any money here, so they're gonna try to <laughs> they're gonna try to make their money back. If I'm not mistaken, from what I heard, and I'm I'll, I'll look it up, but from what I remember, I think they said that Gemini Man, and um, I forget the name of that movie that Scorsese just did. Um, the are, Irish. The I yeah, those are both supposed to be on Netflix. Those were I thought they were actually Netflix films. No, not Gemini Man. Okay. Gemini Man was actually a, is a big studio effort. Uh, Ang Lee and uh, Will Smith. This is actually not produced by Will Smith though. Uh, you know, Will's been producing a lot of his a lot of his shit the yeah. last few months. He's actually producing the new Bad Boys that's coming out. He produced that. Um, so, but this one actually is not coming or did not come out of his production company. This one was a. Uh, a straight studio effort, uh-huh. and uh, I think it's a hundred thirty million dollar film so far uh, as of with, with as of this, this date we're talking now. Uh-huh. I think the movie pulled in like sixty million dollars or something like that. It didn't pull in a whole lot. They called it a flop. They already called it a flop. Yeah, but this is the thing, though. Okay, this I'll is flop really... for sixty million. $130 million budget though, man. Oh yeah, nah, nah. Yeah, I think you've lost all your money. Yeah. But I mean it's gonna it's gonna make it, you know, in in at some period. And like I said, they're taking it to China, uh, I believe. And uh they're hoping that the international box office you know how that works. Mm-hmm. When you fuck up the states, you try to balance it off with the international box office. Mm-hmm. But the movie has gotten some pretty bad reviews. Um and uh, they said they didn't sell anything. You know, nobody went and saw it. But the thing is, though, that's been the story on Will Smith for the, well, with the exception of Aladdin, the, uh, the Aladdin movie uh-huh. that he did. Now, that was pretty successful. But as far as a Will Smith-led vehicle, uh-huh. he hasn't really been uh, showing up as far as Mr. Box Office, as he's known for. Okay. And so, I've got a theory okay. about all right? I, I've got a thought. Maybe Will Smith is one of those characters um, where he's more of a movie star than an actor. Okay. And I believe that's what we can apply to John Travolta. I think that John Travolta, at his height, you know, made some good movies, mm-hmm. but he made them in the in the context of a movie star. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that we we see him trying to do some real acting, he's not delivering. You know, there's there's nothing there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's the case with Will Smith because Will Smith has has attempted some acting. Um, I didn't really have a problem with Ali. All right, when I first saw the movie Ali. Right. But looking back on it, I've seen it maybe two or three times since I first saw it. I can understand why a lot of people who knew Ali and um, kind of knows the life of Ali would have an issue with that movie because you know those are those are the people who I, I came across. People who really knew Ali or mm-hmm. has an intimate history with with Ali or intimate relationship with Ali's history. They didn't care for that movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, but Will Smith really tried to do some acting. He really did some acting in that movie. Yeah. A lot of people just didn't buy it. Um, even when you go to the movie he did when he played the uh, African brain guy. Concussion. Um, another uh, vehicle he tried to do some acting in that nobody really 
was drawn to. The um, accent was trash. Yeah, it was a horrible accent. <laughs> I, horrible. It was a horrible accent. That was trash. Um, so maybe because maybe you can 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 compare some notes with me that can show me something different, but I, I don't think Will's a bad actor, right? Mm-hmm. But I can understand why people have that judgment of him. Yeah. Maybe he's a movie star that has had his day. Because one thing about being a movie star, you're never going to be a movie star your entire career. You're never going to have mm-hmm. a 25, 30-year career where you're just that guy. You see that now with Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is really hit and miss. Yeah. And Tom Cruise could be considered one of the biggest movie stars of all time. But do you really consider him an actor? So, okay. So when you you're you're... So you're you're saying that there's a difference between a movie star and an actor. I believe there's a distinction. Yeah. What would your definitions be? All right. When you talk about an actor who stars in a movie that's say a billion dollar movie, I'm just throwing a number out mm-hmm. there. That movie at that time becomes an entity, or what we now know as a franchise, mm-hmm. because a star carried that vehicle. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like the Men in Black uh, franchise, the franchise now. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what's, you know, well, you know, Bad Boys and all that, but that's kind of what actually, well, no, I'm sorry, Independence Day. Yeah. It's what launched him. But Men in Black was what kind of put him into a different stratosphere of a uh, megastar type mm-hmm. of, type of uh, status. We don't talk about Will Smith acting in... Independence Day. We don't talk about his acting in Men in Black. We don't really talk about his acting in Bad Boys. But those are all massive movies because it's star-driven. I mean, Will Smith brings a star... Uh, He's a star attraction. Star attraction. And, and a mm-hmm. star... Uh, I was looking... Uh, gravidas, gravidas. Gravitas or whatever. Okay. You know, he brings that to those... To, he brought that to those movies. Mm-hmm. The movies that he attempted to do that again with, like, let's say, Wild Wild West, where it failed, you know what I mean? It, it was the lack of Wild talent. Wild West was trash. Yeah. It, it was a bad movie, but yeah. I also think, you know, it was a bad performance from Will. Yes, yes. You know? So that, that means there's an acting question now we have to look at. There's a, uh, uh, a dedication to the craft of performance that we have to look at because a movie star was in that movie. Mm-hmm. Will Smith was a full-blown movie star. He turned down Matrix for that joint. Yeah, you know, which so... I am actually glad he did. <laughs> right. Because the Matrix would have taken a completely different turn with him as Neo. Right. So do you see the distinction that, I, that I'm, you know, maybe this, this is, yeah. these aren't the clearest ideas. These are just ideas I'm throwing out here. Because, yeah. you know, no chase is a discussion-based podcast. We're not here trying to solve problems problem of the world. <laughs> <laughs> We're just, you know, exploring the idea that maybe there is a crutch that Will Smith has, that he's a star. Yeah. He, he's a massive star, and that's a crutch to him actually being a really good actor. Right. So let me ask you then. What did you think of Pursuit of Happiness? Because acting-wise, I think that was probably between that and um, I Am Legend. No, I'm sorry. Between Pursuit of Happiness and Seven Pound. I think those were his top two best performances. Which ones again? 
The Pursuit of Happiness, and Seven Pounds. Ooh, all right. I saw both of those. Uh-huh. Um, Pursuit of Happiness was a noble movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it didn't blow me away. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I, I can't really. <laughs> it's not much. There's, there's not much to say about the movie other than then. You know, it, it was a, it was a noble effort. It was a good movie, but it just mm-hmm. wasn't an outstanding movie. It's not a movie that. Uh, it's not critically acclaimed. Yeah, it's not a movie I'm just gonna talk about. And just say, oh, you gotta see this movie. Oh, yes, that's you know, it's definitely not one of the top ten. Uh, well, top five. I'll probably put it in the top ten. Definitely not one of my top five Will Smith picks. No. Uh, seven pounds. Eh. See, seven pounds reminded me of this this other movie that Will did uh, a lot after Seven Pounds, and it was Ed Norton. I think Ed, Edward Norton was in this movie. God, it was a, it was just a, it was just it was just sentimental shit. I, you know, and, and that's kind of what I put seven pounds in, that it's an effort that he obviously was trying to bring you a serious performance in. The same as with Concussion. Mm-hmm. You know, these were vehicles that, that that you can read that, okay, Will is trying to tell me something. He's trying to show me a serious character-driven performance. And, and you just don't get it in what, none of those movies. What about and Collateral Beauty? That's the movie I was thinking about. With that's the Edward Norton? That's the one I was talking about with Edward Norton. Yes. Okay, okay. That was a movie he clearly wanted to show you a more, uh, you know, thoughtful performance. He wanted to show you something a little bit later mm-hmm. in that movie. And I just didn't get it because he's a movie star. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. he's a movie star. And when you're a movie star, not saying that you can't. All right. Because I'm sure if we talk long enough, we could think of some quote-unquote movie stars that probably gave you a good acting performance. It's not like it's impossible, but when you're a mm-hmm. movie star, there's a difficulty in suspending that for a, a, a role that requires you to really become somebody else and let us get to know you as somebody else. You see what I'm saying? Right. So let me ask you this then. Is this more along the lines of what you felt Martin Scorsese was trying to say between films and the Marvel comic movies. Absolutely. 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 Okay. Okay. I think that I think that there now let me tell you and I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit. I'm not in full agreement with Scorsese that Marvel films are not cinema. Mm-hmm. I'm not in full agreement with that. I do understand why he says that though. I understand completely why he comes to a judgment like that. But he's like 80 years old, man, you know, and he is rich in film history. Mm -hmm. So you would expect him to have a little bit of distance between a comic movie, you know what I mean? A movie that's, and you may take take an issue with this, but I think Marvel movies have a particular interest in youth, you know what I mean? Whether it's Mm -hmm. youthful adults or just kids in general, kids, period. Mm-hmm. Marvel movies has an interest in youthfulness, you know what I mean? A, mm-hmm. a juvenile mindset, right? Okay. And you would expect Scorsese not to adapt with that. Well, the reason why I'm starting to think that he came out and said this is because he was actually supposed to be the one that directed the Joker film. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I just, I just I read that, that last week. Some- I, I think, think he may have some gripe. I think that talk. might be sore loser talk. But now, Derek, you're 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 a Marvel <laughs> enthusiast, okay? 
<laughs> so, so I'm, I'm asking you this. I'm, I'm asking you this as objectively as I can. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You don't think maybe like you didn't clicked up with your with your with your people and you're just kind of like dismissing no you know, a little bit because no. you you have an allegiance to this no. body of material. Okay, I'm no. just asking. No, the reason why I say that because no one else has brought this up to me. It's just something that it was just a conclusion that I came to from reading stuff online the other day, but. Apparently, he was supposed to be... I forgot the guy that did the Joker movie. Um, God, I had his name on my uh, tip of my tongue and I forgot it. But he he uh, he beat out Scorsese to um, produce and direct this film. And... I think his name is Philip... Uh, Todd. Todd or something? Todd okay. Phillips. Todd Phillips. Yeah. And he beat out uh, Scorsese. Um, I think it came down to those two. And... I'm starting to. The reason why I'm saying that is because, like, like we spoke about um, on a previous episode, uh, Jennifer Aniston came out and agreed with Martin Scorsese on it, but she has been vying for a, a role in these comic book films, and now there's a difference between DC and and Marvel. Uh, those are two different comic book companies, but. At the same time, the the basic essence of what they are are the same. They're comic book films. And if she was trying to get into DC and or Marvel and didn't get in, and Scorsese was trying to get in with DC to do the, the Joker film, and now they're both coming out and saying this, it, it just, I can't help but to... Suspect. You think there's some there's some retaliatory criticism? Yes, because you didn't have this 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 opinion beforehand. If you had this opinion beforehand, I could agree. I could I could I could take you seriously. I can't take you seriously at this point. This is like when when a guy approaches a woman and she rejects him and he says, "Oh, you ain't bad anyway." Well, you weren't saying that when you were across the room lusting after her. You know what I'm saying? So. It's kind of, it kind of goes hands, it kind of goes hand well, in hand for but, me. But Derek Scorsese, I didn't know about Jennifer Aniston, but Scorsese really didn't diss Marvel movies. No, I think but he, he downplayed. Was it... He downplayed them, and I don't, I don't think, I don't even think Aniston was. Why shouldn't you downplay them? Hmm? I'm not being aggressive about it. I'm just asking a question. <laughs> why, why shouldn't you downplay them compared I... to other options out there? Now, there. You're a film guy, okay? Yes. You're not going to sit there and tell me that goddamn Avengers needs to be put on the same cinematic pedestal as Godfather. No, I think even even though um, even though I think the producer for Godfather Two came out and said the exact same thing yesterday, but no, I won't. I wouldn't put them on the same pedestal. There are le- uh, levels to it, but you but that's cannot. That's all Scorsese was was trying to say, though. And he that, said it he, after he did not get the jock, the Joker job. Uh, okay, like, allegedly, allegedly, that's 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 a theory based on something that we heard. But I don't. Is that been confirmed? That's what I read last week. I forgot where I saw it. I'll I'll look it up. Um, because you're kind of saying Scorsese's a small man. 
No, but, no. <laughs> well, he's saying that these films are small, and and I, I'm not saying. I think he's a he has man. a good point. I, 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 think, I think he has a good point. I, I, think, I, I don't. I don't think he's right in saying they're not cinema. Now, I break with him on that. But mm-hmm. as far as the movies, the Marvel movies and DC, which there's not much to talk about with DC, but um, mm-hmm. as far as Marvel movies, he's right when. He says there's an amusement. Remember when I said there's a monetary, I think we said there's a mm-hmm. uh, monetary uh, mechanism built into those movies that For make, sure. you know, if those movies don't make money, then they're not even considered worth talking about. They're not even credible if they, if they don't make money. For sure. Which makes them, a, you know, primarily a business interest. So when he said that in Marvel movies need to be looked at in the context of, say, an amusement part, I can agree with that. Because that sounds belittling, though. But the movie is that the, the sole purpose for a Marvel movie existed is to entertain its audience. That is the sole purpose. Yes. It's, yes. Sole purpose of going to Disneyland, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not just for family time. It's not to eat the burgers. You're going to be <laughs> ultimately amused by listen. the attractions. By you know what I'm saying? I think Marvel is in that context. I look. I don't say this as a, a as a fan of comic book films. I'm trying to look at this as objectively as possible, but you don't see how condescending that 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 comes across. I think it'd be taken as that, but I, I don't think it's fair to say that's exactly what he meant to that. He could have, he could have, he could be well, a not snob with the shit. I don't, I don't speak know. on. I don't speak on and say what someone's intentions were. I because I can't. I can't speak on that but i'm just saying when you read what he said and the timing of it it makes sense if he said this back in 2010 11 when marvel movies were starting to ramp up because i think iron man came out in 08 if he if he has said this around then i can't i can't really get mad at you but when Christopher Nolan comes out and he does an entire trilogy of of DC movies with Batman. Cinematically, that was that was art, you know. Um, I think that's why that movie. I mean, the 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 second one at at the very least gets put up into a lot of conversations. Um, but he could have done the same thing with Joker. He could have done the same thing. Um, with some other DC film because in all honesty, DC is not then they will never be on the same level as Marvel. So I don't think anyone can go into Marvel and do for one of those characters, what Christopher Nolan did for Batman. I don't think that will ever happen. Um, so from a cinematic perspective, if you just, like I said, last no, the previous episode, if you're talking about from specifically from the, 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 about the um, camera work and 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 editing and you know CGI or a lack of CGI. If you're talking about technical things like that, to me, okay, I'll, I I I agree. But when you're when you're talking about the film from um, the perspective of a watcher, and all you're saying is that this is just for entertainment, mm-hmm. all movies are for entertainment. So that to me that that's there are certain films that are for for education purposes, but in the grand scheme of things, films are for entertainment. 
So if you're going to put that down, you have to do that, apply that same logic to all films. All films are for entertainment. I don't. Well, I don't. Watch... I don't necessarily agree with that. That all films are for entertainment. Um, okay, outside of like the educational ones, like like the Birth of a Nations of the World stuff like that. Outside of films like that, let's let's remove those. Okay, when you're talking about movies, um, uh, man, I and I really do need to look up his movies. But when you're talking about films in general. You're not going to go see Bad Boys for cinematic richness, right? You're not going to go see um, The King of Comedy, like what, what, what we're going to discuss. You're not watching that from just a cinematic perspective. You're watching it to be entertained in some way. So I think that that point right there, that's where it kind of just like, he it's, it's a moot point. It's, 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 I don't I don't agree with him on that. Now, cinematically, if you want to talk about just like I said earlier, if you want to just talk about the technical things from from camera work to editing to CGI, uh, from to to directing, if you want to talk about things like that, character development and stuff like that, okay, we can have a discussion about that. But as a whole, you cannot say that this is that only Marvel movies are for entertainment, and and and. Movies like American Beauty and stuff like that were were strictly for just cinematic value. No, that you you went to the movies to go see that, and for what entertainment? Um, I think that the diff the difference is when you're talking about a film like you said, American Beauty, or um, just just the the a film outside of a Marvel movie. There are, Let's take Godfather for example. Okay, Godfather is very entertaining, but Thank it you. contains elements of entertainment value. Um, overall, though, the movie is a cinematic masterpiece. So you're looking at it from more but of an artistic you, perspective. Correct. Yeah, the craft of filmmaking, right? Okay. The craft, the craft of, of storytelling on screen, right? right has to contain. A lot of things, if it's going to make it a, a good movie, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, or or I, I necessarily, I'm going to say, use a word more uh, more weighty uh, besides good. I would say to make it a substantial movie, put mm-hmm. it like that, mm-hmm. you know, because good is an eye of the beholder uh, as far as the film. So when you're talking about a movie of substance, you're considering, of course, uh, the, the the filmmaker, the mind it came out of, the director. Mm-hmm. You're considering the writer. You're considering the people who are telling this story for the writer and the director, which are the actors. You know, all those things contribute to the quality of the substance of the movie. You know, if if, if this is a substantial movie, entertainment can come from that, depending on the talent, depending on the writing, depending on the, the direction. You know, those things uh, are deter- uh, determine whether it's going to be entertaining or not. So that's that right there is a film. That is a film. That is a film effort, a cinematic effort. Now flip that over to Marvel. Flip mm-hmm. that over to say Iron Man. Mm-hmm. When you look at that movie and when you look at the 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 engine behind that movie, all the things that went into that movie, the primary goal was does this meet our goal of entertaining people? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure that you can probably find some good acting from uh Gwyneth Paltrow's and 
one, you know, in Iron Man. Uh, I'm sure you can find some good acting from somebody like a Jeff Bridges. These are real actors. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And Robert Downey. You know, I'm not going to dismiss him. These are real actors. So, of course, you're going to find some some uh, craftsmanship in the acting because these are thoroughbred actors in here. Mm-hmm. But the intention was not to show forth uh, the dramatic range of Gwyneth Paltrow in this movie. We know that. That was never a conversation. When, when it came to making Iron Man, or Jeff Bridges, or Robert Downey, or Don Cheadle, all the, the solid acting talent that you find in this movie, that you will find better acting from these actors in other movies, that was not an issue in making Iron Man for that particular movie. The issue was, get this shit out here in the most entertaining, uh, enjoyable, fun-filled, comic-amusing way. You know, comically amusing way. That was the core of that. You know what I mean? That was the driving engine of that movie. Mm-hmm. That's what separates it from other movies like we're talking about, that you've mentioned, like Godfather and American Beauty. And, you know, obviously we can say that entertaining people was not the primary focus of making those movies. There was an artistic intention that they were trying to. Whether they met it or not, that could be debated because we just like what we're talking about with Poison Rose, all right? Mm-hmm. Well, they did not meet anything entertaining or <laughs> of any value artistically anything in that movie but you can assume that was the intention right you can assume that was the intention that was never the intention of anybody at marvel okay let's let's find the best actor that we can find <laughs> who can bring some real life who can bring some really you know nobody those conversations are not being had in the marvel universe war room when they're trying to put this shit together there that's all i'm saying okay so to me this comes down to um artist versus artist so for example salvador dali some people might not find him to be the most technically sound painter um versus Michelangelo. Well, this conversation has gotten really highbrow. <laughs> Salvador, who, what, what? <laughs> I'm talking about painters. For, okay. But, but I'm, I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a rope this. I'm going to bring this back. To, All right, to... I'm going to let you have I'm going to let you have So Salvador Dali had obscure paintings where, where they were more imaginative, right? Michelangelo had more tec- technically sound paintings, so, like, um, the, the painting where you, where you see of, of Adam reaching out to God's finger, stuff like that. Um, like, that's more technically sound. Salvador Dali was more, like, he had, I know one, I forget the name of this painting, but one of his paintings, um, he had a clock that was just like, that looked like a, like a, a, a pizza that was just draped over something and stuff like that. It was more, it was more animated. I think this conversation comes to something like that because to me, both artists are really, really good artists and they both contribute something to art in general in different ways. I think that this is somewhat like that where you have filmmakers that are are artists that have a different type of technique. You have one that's more serious and one that's more animated. And I think that that's what this is more about. Which is your preference? Do you like technically sound or do you like more animated? Are you able to look at both and appreciate both for what the art for the art that they are, or do you have a problem with this artist? I, art art in general is to the interpretation of the beholder. 
So I think that I think that that Scorsese has a point in certain aspects of his argument. But to me it's it's it comes across like I said earlier, it comes across as as more spiteful after than before the the Joker film and it also I'm not saying that he was demeaning anything with comic book films in general, mm-hmm. but it comes across more as a demeaning, stuck-up, pompous attitude than anything else. And I can't rock with that aspect of it. Now, right. like I said, if you're talking about the technically sound things, like, oh... So, so, you know, light doesn't bend this way or, or shadows don't react to light this way. If you want to talk about technic- technicalities, cool. But when you're talking about the art itself, you cannot say that one is less than the other because the impact that they, that they, that they offer hits in different ways. And they one offers one that the other doesn't offer, you know. Um, but they're both beautiful in their own way. So to me, as 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 the viewer, I honestly do not see anything different from what Scorsese produces to what Kevin Feige will produce. I mm. I, I cannot take that away from him. I cannot do that. Yes, they are two different worlds, but. The art is still art, and I can I can derive emotions and and storylines and character development out of both of them. You know I can do that. Um, um, they're both beautiful in in cinematically in in their own way. Um, one is just more animated than the other. That's that's how I see it. I can understand what you're saying completely. I can respect it. I don't totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, at least speaking from my angle, um, cinema or films, because you know, cinema is is a pretty broad definition now. Yes. And we ain't gonna get into that right now. But um, I feel like real films, man, and like you said, you know, now I, I'll tell you what you what you did say that I'll, I'll build on, and I'll, I'll close on this. Mm-hmm. You're right. You can't dismiss any film, particularly Marvel. You can't just dismiss it, not as art, as you know, uh, dismiss it as something other than art. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with you on that. That's this conversation has actually been had before. I, I, I remember engaging in a conversation like this about Michael Bay's films. You know, the director yes. Michael Bay. A lot of people don't consider Michael Bay a legitimate director. Um, no. I, I don't agree with that. I don't I'm... agree with. That. I don't agree with that either. I just I have a problem with some of his his ways. But it's art. It takes it's a skill art. to do that to yeah. communicate though that stuff. You know, it, it does take a skill. So I, I I won't say it's not art. I'll and I'll you know extend that to Marvel films. I'm not going to say they're not art, but I will say this. This is where I do disagree with you at. The distinction is is that one element of filmmaking, which is what you'll find with the Scorsese's and with the Spike Lee's and so on and so on. One 
distinction is that they will communicate a film to you with the intention on at least trying to show you human emotion, trying to convey to you a genuine, realistic, authentic human experience. That is not at all the intention of the Marvel camp. You know, they're, they're mm -hmm. not trying. If, if they can do that, I guess they will. Um, if they can emulate that, maybe <laughs> that that's okay. Mm -hmm. But the intention is not to create a emotional connection, a human connection, and all that, you know, type of shit. Not saying that should be the reason why you should go to movies, because that's not the reason why I go to a movie every time I sit down and see a movie is to get a human connection. Right. You know, if I want to see Will Ferrell, I'm looking to laugh. Right. That, that's why I'm here, to laugh. Even with Eddie Murphy, who's, to me, one of the greatest comedic actors ever. Now, I say comedic actor. Mm -hmm. a, <laughs> all right, that's, that's, there's, a, there's another conversation with Eddie that come with that. But comedic actor, he's the best that ever did it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I expect I, I would expect that from him a, a comedic performance. I expect to laugh. Yeah. So, but that, that's a distinction that you have to create for them. That you also create for Marvel. You know what I'm saying? That mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you're less than. I agree with you. It doesn't mean you're less than. It doesn't mean you should look down on or, or put in some uh, you know subcategory. But it is a distinction that makes it a little bit different from another expression of cinema, which is a traditional expression of cinema mm -hmm. or film. The traditional intention, the traditional uh, psychology, so to speak, or the mind behind why a lot of movies were made is because they wanted to create a human connection. They wanted to create mm -hmm. and or retell or retranslate a human experience, mm -hmm. a genuine human experience. Some people were able to do that in a way that made you laugh. Some people were able to do that in a way that made you, you know, cry or whatever, feel mm -hmm. bad. But the intention was to give you a human experience. Marvel movies and a lot of comedic movies and even we want to break it down into action adventure movies and shit like that. Mm -hmm. Certain horror movies, they don't have that intention. That's not exactly. exactly. So I agree with you, but at the same time, I disagree with you. I think we might be saying it in two different ways. but Yeah, I, I think there's a difference between a Caravaggio painting where he utilizes... And you go talking about Italian paintings and shit, man. Hey, man, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I study art. <laughs> All right, I, there's well, a difference between Caravaggio and Caroscuro versus uh, uh, Picasso. It's, it's I, just... I, I, would, I, I guess I have to yield to you on that. It's just a difference. I, guess. I got you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. Uh, we we've been an hour, man, in, in prep talk, but that's cool because this is podcast life, man. Yes, sir. You can this is the man listening. You know, you can run it up, you can pause it, you can come back to it. So you know. But what other podcast would you ever hear about Uncle Buck, Dolomite, and Caravaggio in the same season? What None. what you will never find that anywhere else. None. Never. Strictly unique shit over here, man. <laughs> Strictly unique and bizarre, actually. But hey, I'm here for it, man. All right, I got one more thing I want to talk about. The one, one, one quick thing that I want to, I want to throw out there. Okay. Uh, to to end this, uh, this little warm up right here. Um, I did see one movie that made me ask a question. I'm asking a quick question. Mm -hmm. Hit it, hit it in Twitter, all right? Mm -hmm. I saw Jamie Fox in uh, a movie that I had never seen before, right? I told you I've been on Prime, um, looking at stuff, trying to find stuff, you know, that interests me that I've never seen before. So I came across a Jamie Foxx uh, film, comedy film, with some <laughs> lack of comedy film, 
Um, I think it came out in '97 uh, called Held Up. Did you ever see that? No. All right, so I don't want to talk too much about it because we got to get into King of Comedy, but uh-huh. let me see when Held Up came out. Held Up came out in 99. All right, uh-huh. this is almost, that's almost 20 some years, right? That is 20 something years. 20 some years. Yeah. There's nothing good I could say about this movie, really. It's, <laughs> it's, this was a shitty ass movie, all right? It wasn't funny. It, it was just an odd movie, but one thing I will say about it, y'all, y'all check it out. You know, if you want to do that, I don't recommend it. But it, it caused me to ask a question. Uh-huh. But one thing I will say, uh, Jamie Foxx and Mia Long, who also stars in this movie, they have not aged at all in 20 fucking years. Bro. That's the best thing I can say <laughs> that I picked up this movie. Jamie Foxx and Mia Long, man, damn black don't crack for real. That's that's real life. Because they, they have not aged at all in 20 years. This movie came out in 99. But it made me ask a question. Jamie Foxx is a good actor. We were talking yes. about actors and movie stars and shit, right? And range. And yes. range. Now, Jamie Foxx is a good actor. Yes. But there's an anomaly. <laughs> there's an anomaly attached to this dude, man. It's, it's something weird about him. Mm-hmm. Well, weird about his career, not him. But weird about his career. I can't think of a good comedic performance Jamie Foxx has done on film. <laughs> and he's primarily a comedian. Yeah, but when you look at his dramatic work, the shit is excellent. The dude Ray. is a great actor. Ray, Collateral. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I could throw a couple others out there that that these dramatic roles or roles that were not comedic roles mm-hmm. for him. He kills them. Yes, great performances. Yes, but when you think about, I but when I saw Held Up, right, I mm-hmm. was like, okay, this movie was bad, and it made me think, what comedic movie has Jamie Foxx done that I actually enjoy? I couldn't think of any. Uh, Booty Call was trash. This movie right here, <laughs> Held Up, was trash. Um, Breaking All Rules, I didn't see that, but that's some movie he did with Gabrielle Union. I didn't even bother to see it. I so I can't really that. Yeah, yeah, some movie I think is called Breaking All Rules. So I'm just throwing it out there for you and, you know, anybody with society listening, listening in society, y'all can hit us up, throw it in the, you know, in the, in, on Instagram or something. Do you know of a good movie that Jamie Foxx has done that was supposed to be a comedy? Um. Okay, so I think now Jamie Foxx is a, is a comedian. It's yeah. You stuck. You just... Oh, you know what? You know what? Was he in that movie? Due date. Did you ever see that? Uh, that was a pretty funny, but that wasn't his movie. It wasn't his movie. That was a Robert Downey, Zach Galifianakis movie. That that was that was a pretty good movie. That was the one where the dog was jerking off, right? Yeah, I think Back. so. <laughs> dog was jerking himself off. Um. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, you could technically, in some way, say Django. Django was far from a thumb. <laughs> 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 Come beating on, beating those masters was was hilarious. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> no, you, another, you, another great performance from from Jamie Foxx. Oh, yeah. not a comedy. Yeah, I, this, but, this no, you have you have a you have a, a comedy. You have All a point. That, and that shit tripped me out. You know, I don't know. That's just something I want to throw out there. Why it was on my mind on the podcast? Like, damn, Jamie Foxx 
came in the game as a comedian, really drew much of his reputation um, in entertainment, in the business. He drew it as a comedian. Mm-hmm. Made a, a very gradual but very good transition into drama with Ray. And they may, he may have done another movie uh, that was dramatic before Rated, but I can't think of it. But that's when I really saw this man's talented. This dude here is multi-talented. Now, I'm not saying that Jamie Foxx is not funny. Law-abiding citizen wrong. was a good, another good one. Uh, I have issues with that movie, and I do want to talk about it. that. Probably might be our next movie. That that could be, yeah. I got I, issues with that movie. Yeah, I got issues with that movie. I, I, <laughs> about a couple of days ago for the for the podcast. Okay, good. Movie. It's a it's a pretty good movie, but I it got is. issues. With it. Anyway, yeah. Um, what I was saying was that the dude is a comedian, right? Dude, mm-hmm. essentially a comedian, and I can't identify any really good comedic roles that that were his movies that he starred in. Yeah, I. I just find that odd. That is know? very odd. It is odd. That's very odd. I, I that I've never thought about that before. I don't yeah, know. I, don't know. I saw this shit. Held up was horrible, man. <laughs> this, it was just bad. Was it, it was as bad as Sleepless? Sleepless. Sleepless. The one he did with Ti. I didn't see that. Oh, don't That's... see it. Please don't see it. That was supposed to be like an action crime. That was an action crime movie. That was absolute trash. T.I. was in it? Yeah, I have a friend that actually worked in that film, too. Really? Um, yeah. I saw it, like, you know, in uh, in my queue and shit. And yeah. It's been meant to me a couple yeah, times. Yeah, ignore it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was absolute but, garbage. But, uh, but yeah, man, I just, I just saw, I saw this movie. Uh, it, just, it, was just, it was just a bad movie, man. And I was like, damn, has Jamie Foxx done a movie that was funny? As far as a comedic role. I couldn't stop finding. So anyway, wrapping this up. Uh, if y'all know of any, y'all put it in the comments somewhere. Let us know. But yeah, right now that's just something that we want to throw out there and <laughs> kind of yeah, let. I, I can't think of anything. Up. All right, so uh, yeah, we're gonna drop this trailer. 1982's King of Comedy. We talked about him earlier in this conversation, so I'm sure we're gonna wrap around to Martin Scorsese. This is a Martin Scorsese film. Starring Robert De Niro, uh, the legendary Jerry Lewis, uh, and uh, Sandra Bernhardt is in this movie. King of Comedy, 1982. So will you please give your warmest greetings to the newest King of Comedy, Rupert Pupkin. His name is Rupert Pupkin. He lives in a world of make-believe. Oh, Jerry, I love this guy. Always coming up with these great lines. I love him. I love him. Nobody can remember his name. Mr. Pipkin. Mr. Pupnik. Mr. Puffer. Rupert. Pupkin, P-U-P-K-I-N. But by 11.30 tonight, the whole world will know that Rupert Pupkin is the new king of comedy. Robert De Niro. Jerry Lewis. In a Martin Scorsese picture. The King of Comedy. All right, Derek. So this is your first time uh, checking <laughs> out King of Comedy, right? Mm-hmm. So as always, if this is a, you know, I've seen it before. I've seen it a few times. But to anyone, anyone who's seen the movie the first time, uh, for the first time, I'd like to let you have the floor first. So King of Comedy, man. What's up? <clears throat> so I was actually... From the beginning, I was a bit thrown off um, because 
his character, uh, Robert, uh, R- Rupert, Rupert Pumpkin. Rupert Pumpkin. 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 Yeah, Pumpkin. He um, he came across more um, like sane and like you know relatable. Um, mm-hmm. but that was like the first two minutes, like. As the movie progressed within five minutes or so, um, after he um, after he got into the car with Jerry and was trying to pitch him uh, on, what, on what he does with his career, um, you could tell something was off about him. And then he it, it start it kept flashing to these um, different like memories or something like that, and it didn't. I don't think it, it it struck me until probably the second flash that this was all in his mind. Like he's like he's actually like a split personality almost. Um the movie itself was very well done. I even though I have <clears throat> excuse me, even though I have not seen Joker, I can see where the inspiration for this character uh for Joker or this iteration of Joker comes from this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that regard, seeing this versus what I know about Joker, I actually would not have minded to uh, uh, if if uh, Scorsese directed that film because that would have been something very interesting to see. Um, put you know put his own twist on that, mm-hmm. but this was weird, bro. This was this was weird in in a in a very good cinematic way. It was weird. Um, yeah. I didn't know where he was going until probably, like I said, maybe twenty minutes in. I that's when I started to understand what was about to happen. Um, still couldn't call the end of the movie because the end of it was very interesting with mm, what his whole plan was. was. Um which to me I might I might uh piss some people off with saying this. There's no way in hell a black man would be able to do this shit. There's no way. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> because you go out and you, you, you hold a man hostage to take over his show just to have a what seven minute spot, a stand up spot. And then yeah. get then get taken to jail right after that. There's yeah. no way a black man would be able to do that and and get away with what he got away with and still right. become a celebrity after that. Right. Um. So that to me that that spoke about white privilege as well. Um. I thought it was very well done though. I. I you know what? I don't want to see a remake, but I would like to see. A modern version, a modern of version like of yeah, maybe like picking up uh, where where he is right. now in life. Like right. I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing the continuation of the story. But you want to see a sequel? I want to see a sequel. Oh okay. Yeah, oh, wow. I want I want to see where 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 he is if he he's still as Trump. wild. Pro- <laughs> hey, no, seriously, there's yes. something in this shit that reminded me of Trump. I'm gonna tell yes. you later on. In my, it was shit with trip. <laughs> Go ahead. That Go. is a very good point. Um, yeah. But it it would be nice to see where in that you know that that story where he is today, um, 
And I think Robert um, De Niro did a phenomenal job. That I had never heard of that movie until a few weeks ago, but I can honestly say you discovered this movie through the film society. Through, yeah, yeah, through yeah. Hey, just this us is a damn talking. credit, man. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Get a podcast the credit. I'm sure there's a lot of people that never heard of this shit damn movie until they heard this podcast. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, we, you and I were discussing something off air, and right. it just like I'm like, oh, hey, that and. But I can honestly say that was probably one of the best performances that I've ever seen from De Niro, and Step and and he thing. has some really really good movies. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I no, I like I I really did like this. Yeah. Now I will say okay. that the 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 whole kidnapping scene itself was absolute trash because when he dropped the gun, I could hear how plastic it was. So, <laughs> so, so you know that was probably the only thing that I would say. Hey, we need to, you know, it would have yeah. been good if you reshot that because the gun falling didn't make any sense to the actual kidnapping itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, the movie was very well done. Okay. Um, I'm not gonna say king of comedy, <clears throat> the king of comedy is um, one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. I probably, because I probably wouldn't put it on my top 10. If I had to write down right now my top 10 favorite movies, I probably wouldn't say this one would be on it. Mm-hmm. But this is, without question, one of my favorite Martin Scorsese-directed movies. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, without question, one of my favorite uh, Robert De Niro performances. This is a good movie, man. Yeah. Uh, this is a good movie. I'm just looking at the cast, you know, as, as I was listening to you, I'm looking at the cast um, and I'm want to just put a little focus on Jerry Lewis's performance. I didn't know who the hell Jerry Lewis was before, uh, before mm-hmm. I saw the movie. You know, he is, he's apparently from, but you know, be looking into him after watching it. Mm-hmm. I discovered he was a legendary uh, stand-up performer, a legendary filmmaker. I mean, this dude, Jerry Lewis is actually a filmmaker. Um, really? Mason. Oh yeah, direct, uh, director. Um, just a little tidbit on him that I discovered when I looked into him as a result of finding him in this movie. Hmm. He actually was the pioneer. I'm not gonna say he invented it, but he was. Uh, let me say one of the early or, or the first filmmaker to utilize the uh, the uh, remote monitor. Ah. While, while filming, you know, while at to, for a director to actually have a separate monitor uh, and not necessarily, you know, utilize the camera or utilize the uh, the same lens as the cinematographer, but yet have his own, you know, monitor. You can probably give me the yeah. technical terms a little bit better than what I'm using. But he was the first to have his own monitor and utilize his own monitor and visualize, you know, the action that was being filmed as a director from his own individual monitor. He was one of the first to do that. That doesn't mean much to people listening, the average film watcher, but- That's significant. Yeah, it's pretty significant when you talk about filmmaking. And, you know, a lot of, you know, like, you know, some we've mentioned before, we, you know, we dibble and dabble in filmmaking. So, you know, that's something that that got my attention is that, you know, he was pretty uh, ahead of his time. Mm -hmm. He also uh, filmed a movie 
called uh, The Last Day the Clown Cried or something like that. But it was a movie about a clown who was to entertain little Jewish kids before they went into the gas chamber. It was a Holocaust movie. And uh, he, he filmed, you know, quite a bit of the movie and then just backed out of it. He decided not to do it. Well, this film is, has been hidden and, uh, you know, stashed away for years now because he never wanted anybody to see it. So it's like, you know, again, me being a film enthusiast, he has this film that he made that, you know, is a clown that's entertaining kids in the Holocaust, and he never wanted to be seen. So, of course, you know, I'm just wondering what a movie look, what, like that would look like. So anyway, I discovered Jerry Lewis through this film, and uh, that's that's one attachment I have to it. It's a great movie though, and just looking at and and walking away from. Uh, oh, I just say considering the lesson that stands out to me, just yeah. a, a message that stands out to me in this movie. Is there a fine line between <laughs> persistence and insanity? Because hmm. one thing about Rupert, uh, Rupert's character, he was persistent as hell. I mean, he had a desire to be a comic. He had a desire to be on, uh, particularly he had a desire to be on Jerry Langford's talk show. And Jerry Langford in this movie is supposed to serve as a uh, a prototype to say Johnny Carson was back then, or mm -hmm. what we know today is Jimmy Fallon, mm -hmm. or or. Uh, uh, well, I don't know. I don't really follow TV like that. But Jimmy Fallon, you know, the late night talk show host scene. Uh -huh. So that's what uh, this Jerry Langford character serves. And Rupert Pupkin is determined to be on this guy's show. He is determined to be discovered by this show. He is determined to just be, take over. Just, he has to be, be, basically be this man's best friend. Like uh -huh. He has some real weird, intense desires. Yeah. That go beyond just a career ambition to be a comedian. He wants to be not only be Jerry Langford, he wants to be his best friend. Yeah. He wants to have a relationship with this guy in some capacity. And at one point in the movie, he really thinks he does. Yeah. You know? But he also thinks that he's in a relationship with this woman um, as well. And, right, and, Diane Abbott, who, yeah. who actually was married to, in real life, was uh, married to Robert De Niro. Because, you know, De Niro liked the sisters, man. Oh, snap. Hold on. Was that, that was the black woman he was married to? Yeah. Well, I mean, really. Uh, I know they're divorced now. No, no, no. That's another one. That's another one. Oh, it's an, okay. Yeah. He, he's he separated from his current wife. Okay. Uh, no, this, that's, this is uh, the wife before his current wife now. Ah, gotcha. Abbott. Yeah, she was uh she was actually an actress. Um you know, uh before this, before De Niro. Wow, and, what a um, way to meet. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, they they were actually married in real life. Wow. Yeah, that that um that whole dynamic, it was like everything in his mind was was grand. Everything in his mind was like he was already at the top. And in in some ways, that's how you have to look when you're achieving. You're, you're when you're not achieving, but when you're uh, chasing your dreams, um, like like you said, the balance between persistence and and um, insanity. Uh, yeah, insanity. Yeah. Um, I think he just tipped over into insanity. Yeah. 
Or was he already insane? Already was there. It, I think you know, before like the story starts, he was already there. You think he was just already a, a crazy person? Yeah, like I a don't, mentally mentally disturbed person. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that this. I don't think that that his progression into insanity started when this when this story started, because that's what I was saying. Like when this when the, when the movie began, he looked. He appeared to be this well put together focused guy but it was like within two minutes two or three minutes where you could see there's something going on with them like at what point what scene because I'm, I'm thinking now into the movie what scene that i can determine this dude was really nuts you know when, like okay. when he was it was like right when they uh when they're in a car um when they got to the place that Jerry was trying to go to, Jerry gets out the car and starts heading up the stairs. And uh, Pupkin runs behind him, calling his name out, and, and you know shows him a card. So you um, think that was, an ex- that was him being a little off right there? That because was him that, being off. That could be interpreted as him successfully, his, his persistence paying off because, okay, you and I can look at that scene and mm-hmm. see that Jerry was blowing the guy off the yeah. whole fucking time. Yes. You know what I mean? But at the same time, he was also kind of inviting Rupert by and encouraging him, so to speak, by giving him, didn't they exchange information or something, if I remember right? Or, yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he told so he him to the call. I don't think they exchanged, but he took his information or something yeah. like that. And yeah, but anyway, he let, as what we would know, you know, uh, in relationship terms, he was led on. Yes. Jerry in some kind of way led Rupert on to believe that, yeah, you're cool. We're, we're going to make something happen for you. And he ate that shit up mm-hmm. and made it gospel, right? Yes. It wasn't until he went into the uh, the production company, he went to the production company or went to the soundstage or whatever where the show was taped. Mm-hmm. He went there with no tape and that's what kind of that's when i kind of say okay this dude is he he didn't have any material at the time he just kind of went there and like yo i'm here to see uh jerry he's expecting me mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure that they get that kind of stuff often or they're prepared for that kind of stuff mm-hmm. prepared for that they called in the producer lady mm-hmm. and that's when i believe he was further led on though yes he her. was he was so yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, you can say like some of the stuff, some of his actions were circumstantial, but like I said, when 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 he ran up after him while he was going into the building, he kept calling him. Every time Jerry would turn around, he'd be like, "Jerry, Jerry." Uh and and then he would say something else. Like I think he did that 3 times on the stairs. Um that to me was overboard. Cause I was trying to, I was trying to put myself in that position. Like if I am, if I'm in a car with, uh, let's say Christopher Nolan, for example, if I'm in a car with him and I wanted to talk to him about editing and stuff like that. And, and you know, what he sees as a cinematographer and all that, if I wanted, if I wanted to get information, I wanted to work with him. There's only so much that I'm going to say. I'm not going to talk so much. I'm going to allow him to speak. When he gets out and gets to where he needs to go, I'm not going to run after him. Because, you know, like, right where it was like the border 
was when he ran after him after Jerry and said, hey, I, you know, I don't have any money, but I would like to take you out for hors d'oeuvres or appetizers or whatever and have a conversation. To me, that was when, that was the absolute height of where he should have gone. Once Jerry turned around and was heading toward the building and he ran up after him again to say something, Jerry tried to walk away and he ran after him again, called him and stuff like that. To me, that was over the line. So that's that's when I picked up on it. It wasn't confirmed to me that this was actually happening um, like like his mind was was somewhere else until I think when he was recording the tape for for the producer, um, when he went and 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 was and he was trying to record it, and his, his mom, mom was yelling upstairs at him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't until that portion of the movie where it was confirmed for me, but I suspected it when he was running after Jerry, because you can. When you when you first meet someone that that you're trying to work with, you're not going to like, you know, the the average person is not going to try to do too much. They're going to try to show what they can do, you know, show what they know and stuff like that to impress them and entice them, but they're not going to go overboard. Hopefully, yeah. now he went overboard way too fast, you know. The, the 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 ambitious part of it was when he saved Jerry from the crowd and threw him into the car. But see, at the same time, this is why I say that I don't think this was I think his Santa, his his um, mental stability was gone before the story because if if you remember, the lady that was already in the car was the lady that he was working with all along to kidnap him and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, his friend. It his was friend. Friends. Yeah. yeah. So, like, Sandra set... Bernhardt. Well, I want to talk about her character a little bit. So. Yeah. Yeah. They set this whole thing up. So, yeah. like, that's what I'm saying. Like, his his instability was way before the film started, or where the story picks up. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I can, I can, I can see that. Um, I kind of walked away with that too. That he was crazy. He was just a crazy individual. Um, I think, but the question that initially. I was left with was was he already nuts or yeah did this situation drive him into insanity? But I'm, I'm leaning towards what you what you walked away with is that this dude was just a crazy motherfucker just yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Sandra Bernhardt, I want to talk about her a little bit because this was one of her breakout roles. I want to say Scorsese discovered her um, for during this period. And put when he put her in this movie, yeah. but she was she was excellent, man. She she was excellent. I haven't really seen her anything else besides Roseanne. I think she was like a character on Roseanne a couple times. Really? Uh, yeah. I don't know anything about Sandra Bernhardt. I want. She's a comedian. I do know that. Okay. She's, she's a comedian, and I want to say Richard Pryor put her on. Ah. Okay. Yeah, because Richard Pryor had a uh, a very uh, short lived TV show. Mm-hmm. On NBC, and a lot of well-known comedians, well, what are known now, you know, very well-established, well-known comedians had an early start on that show. Uh, Robin Williams had a very early start on that show. Oh wow! Uh, Marshall Warfield, a black comedian who's uh, been kind of quiet the last few years, but Marshall Warfield, um, John Witherspoon, Bang Bang Bang, you know, oh, wow, pops. Yeah, 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 yeah. These are old school comedians that got their start on this particular show. The Richard Pryor show, and Sandra Bernhardt was one of them. So mm-hmm. uh, I want to say sometime around that, shortly after that, 
Scorsese cast her in this. She blew it out the water. This bitch was thoroughbred <laughs> crazy. She was. And I think know, she was a little more unhinged than Rupert. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was it, the contrast between the, their crazy was interesting to watch. I enjoyed every scene they had together. Yeah. Every scene they had together was was good. Let me tell you, the, I remember I mentioned Trump earlier, right? Yes, yes. Rupert, reason why I would say Rupert would probably be Trump today, because mm. in, in the sequel, because in that scene, because I saw it recently for the podcast, I watched it for the podcast recently. Mm-hmm. So, the scene where he he finally loses his shit when he goes back to jerry's office mm-hmm. they they let him know look man there's no chance of you fucking with jerry in here you get get your ass out of here he lost his shit mm-hmm. you know uh, rupert storms the office screaming for jerry in the office eventually gets thrown the fuck out by security yeah right yeah and there's sandra bernhardt who's uh i think her name is marsha masha or something like that in the movie sandra bernhardt's character is there right there outside of the production uh, office the production studio building whatever when she sees rupert get thrown out mm-hmm. and she basically was like you know did you give him my letter she wanted rupert to give give jerry something of course he didn't because he's thrown out but jerry's uh, uh rupert rupert's playing it off <laughs> he's like yeah. oh, you know you know he's, he's like thank you you know he's the, the security is literally throwing him out the damn building giving him his shit mm-hmm. he's thank you oh, thank you thank you you know and He's trying to give the impression that he's cool with these guys. Uh, Sandra Bernhardt's character is telling him, dude, I seen you just got thrown the fuck out of the building. What are you, what are you talking about? Rupert Pumpkin, watch him. He says, excuse me, excuse me. Yeah. That's the same shit Trump does. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, right? That's the same, that's that's Trump. Yeah. Excuse me, excuse me. They didn't throw me out. They escorted me out. They they, yeah. they walked me, they, they, they were showing me out of the building. <laughs> Like this dude is this completely delusional man. Yes. That's Trump. Yes. All day, just yes. in your own fucking world, clearly detached from the, the reality of everybody else. In your mind, they're escorting you out the building. And this woman, and she's crazy as hell. Another crazy person is telling you, dude, I saw you get thrown out of the building. What are you talking about? <laughs> they threw your ass. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> That was some funny shit. That, I liked was, that. that was. That was some funny shit. That was yeah. probably one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, right there. yeah. He basically made like, it sound like he just got Trump. walked out. No, they, excuse they were walking me. with him. Excuse me. They showed me out of the yeah. building. They, were, they didn't throw me out of the building. Like, dude, you just got. And Sandra Bernhardt is crazy as shit, telling yeah. you this this vivid reality that just took place. It may, but see, but at the same time though, when I first saw this, of course, I didn't think about the whole Trump. Mm-hmm. You know, aspect of it, but I'm like, dude, did he really believe that you know this wasn't a problem that he created? Did he really, in his mind, believe that? Yes, yes, because you remember when when he took Rita to Jerry's house. Yeah, I initially thought that was one of those flashes. Um, no, I but my God. Yeah. That was very real. That was another scene. That was also one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, Rupert takes uh, Rita. His his he's trying to. He's pretty much dating the girl, right? Because on the train, she was she was with the shit. She was like, "We're going to see uh, Jerry Jerry Langford." You know, apparently he's he's sold her on some story. We didn't. These, yeah. This scene didn't play out in the movie, but I, I like the transition it made because the it cuts from him getting thrown out of the building mm-hmm. uh, completely embarrassed 
or what should have been embarrassed, mm. to having her on a train on the way to his house. His, yeah. his girl he's trying to date. But he's see, on the way to his house, his that, summer house, by the way. Right, but see, this is the reason why. Like, and I still don't really know if this was, if I, I don't truly know if this was like more reality or or. I think it was reality. The reason I why I say that is because you remember her hair was long. Was she wearing just a short wig or something? Well, remember, yeah, that was a conversation, actually. That was what remember they were she, talking about. Yeah. yeah, she was like, you know, do you like my wig? And he kind of played it off like you didn't need it, which he didn't. No. You know, yeah, but, um, he was playing him. He told her the truth, actually. He yeah. Was like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, you know, yeah, you look good with it, but you don't need it. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, yeah that's, that's the whole wig. She wore the wig for this occasion because... That's that's what that's what I like about this movie. Well, one thing I like about this movie is that we're kind of left to believe or wonder what the hell he told her. Yeah. To get her on that train. Yeah. To go to Jerry Langford's summer house. Yeah, because it picks up with them on the train. Not... It, it goes it goes straight to them on uh, to the scene with them on the train on the way to his house. Yeah. He gets thrown out of the building to having her on the train with him. So that means that he's like, fuck that shit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to his house. That mm-hmm. And that also means that he is so in tune or some kind of way, maybe bet- between uh, uh, his friend, uh, Masha, because mm-hmm. I'm looking at it on the screen, it's spelled M-A-S-H-A. So I'm assuming it's Masha. Her name was Masha, right? Something like that. Something like that. I'm, I'm assuming that Masha, because we're led to believe that Masha actually has some type of... Uh, insight into his schedule he he, he knows where he, she pretty much knows yeah. when he goes and comes right yeah because that's how they kidnapped him that's how they kidnapped him so yeah he he apparently then we're led to assume that he apparently he's discovered that jerry was going to be at his home not his apartment his penthouse downtown mm-hmm. or whatever he was going to be at his summer home he's that's already psychotic yeah that he's pinpointed his location then went to this girl convinced her and sold her some dream that he was invited to his house and she he wanted her to be his date. Well, remember in now, the beginning none of, of the film... None of this was on screen. None <laughs> of this is on screen. Well, remember at the beginning of the film, he did tell her that he knew him and right. that they should do dinner together. Um, I don't know if that was the point where it was dropped, like, we're going to do this. Or if it was something that was off screen that we weren't privy to that that he he, you know, made the plans with her to go to the house. But maybe that's where that's where where she was kinda like thinking, Oh, okay, we're gonna go to his house and we're gonna spend some time with him because he said let's we, we should you know, we should do this. Um making it sound like Jerry was one of his biggest friends. Yeah. And I like that we left that he left that to us to imagine just the crazy shit he told this woman, yeah. you know, or yeah. just the crazy way, the crazy, uh, you know, way he found out or went about even finding out that he was going to be at his vacation home. But anyway, so they're on the train, they go to the vacation home, um, and he just walk, he he just walks up to the man's door, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, I, I think I was listening to a podcast or something, and this, they, they were talking about this movie, or I might have read it somewhere, because uh, I'm a big big Scorsese enthusiast. Uh, he's one of my favorite directors. If I had to, now, if I had to say top five directors, mm-hmm. uh, my favorite of all time, Martin Scorsese's on that list, without question. Yeah. So, 
uh, when you know, just kind of looking into something about Scorsese or reading about Scorsese, um, that scene where uh, the oh, I'm sorry, I'm ahead of myself. I'm ahead of myself a little bit. But anyway, I'll just get to it since I brought it up. That scene where Jerry Lewis comes to the house because the the Asian uh, butler or whatever <laughs> yeah. answers the door, right? Yeah. Let's he lets Jer- Rupert and his girl in the house because Jerry Langford is on the golf course somewhere. Mm-hmm. The Asian butler lets Jer- uh, Rupert and his lady into the house. He calls Jerry on the phone. That that was a funny ass scene. That was right there. Uh, and tells him, "Hey man, this dude is here in the house to see you." You know, uh, in a very broken Asian dialect. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Jerry comes to the house. You remember this scene, right? When mm-hmm. Jerry comes to the door and he can't get in the door because he says, you know, he's not going to the door and the, the Asian guy's pulling on the door to let Jerry in the door. <laughs> and he's like, you know, are you going to open the goddamn door when he gets in? <laughs> that was some real shit. The Asian couldn't open the door. That That's was real... where I was wondering because I was like, <laughs> as it was happening, I said, there's no way this is a part of the actual film. There's, no, there's no was... way that that was supposed to actually happen. That was some real, it played right into the movie. It was funny as hell. It did. That little shit, but that just shows, you know, man, the the talent or the the just the the veteran talent, the veteran chops they say of a cat like Jerry Lewis. He played that right into the movie. Yeah, yeah. When he cussed the dude out and told, <laughs> because he, but yeah, he was really ha- having a hard time opening the <laughs> fucking door. Yeah. So anyway, you know, a little Easter egg trivial bullshit. No, that's 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 that's, like. that's awesome. But uh, what was I going with that? Um, the Asian oh. guy was letting everyone into the house. He let him in the house. But anyway, that scene though, that particular scene, we, we, mm-hmm. we just talked about that scene. That particular scene, man, man, it was some awkward shit. I can Bro. feel the awkwardness. Yes. I can feel the embarrassment. I can feel yes. the tension. I can feel all of that, man. And that poor woman that poor uh what was her name rita <laughs> rita that poor that poor woman man <laughs> Had to, and she was black so you know yeah. she was extra uh, embarrassed disgusted. <laughs> you didn't brought me out to this man's house you crazy motherfucker <laughs> to get thrown the fuck out of jerry langford's house but yeah man yeah man yeah excellent scene man. that I, you know, I was I was thinking about it like what I would have done if I were Jerry. Not only would I have fired what the can Asian you do? guy. Not only would I have fired the Asian guy for letting oh, him come into my Jerry. house. Yeah, I would have fired the I would have fired him and shot at both of those people walking into my house, drinking my 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 liquor and going upstairs. You was drinking the liquor. The Bro. dude made himself at home, man. Let Bro. me. Do- to people who ain't seen the movie, okay? I mean, we're going to create this scene real quick. <laughs> Rupert went to Jerry Langford's house. Jerry Langford, let's imagine Jay Leno, okay? Just imagine yes. Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. These motherfuckers are super paid. Comedians, talk show hosts. That job pays a lot of money. So yes. this dude has a compound, you know, I guess you can call it a retreat, summer home, whatever, compound somewhere. We're going to say it's in Connecticut, I guess, because they were in New York. So mm-hmm. it must be upstate New York. Uh, this psychopath takes this woman who he's courting, you know what I mean, who he knew from high school, I, I, I remember from the early in the movie. He knew her mm-hmm. from high school. He's courting her. He just invades this man's home, just shows up, 
He's walking around. He's looking at pictures. He's acting like he's been there before. I think he's trying to kick it like <laughs> he had been to the house before. Yeah. He's not, he's not home. He's on the golf course somewhere. And he shows up and finds them drinking his liquor just all in his house. I think they're playing music. Mm-hmm. Dancing. It's, it's, it's the most <laughs> bizarre, awkward scene. Yes. In the whole movie. But it's, it's masterful, man, the way... Scorsese translated that shit. It's just, it, it was, you can feel the embarrassment, man. Like, really. Yeah, yeah. When, I, I was oh. thinking about it, like, if I did that to a black woman, <laughs> take them somewhere they're not supposed to, where, that we're, we're not supposed to be, make her think it's okay for you to stay here, relax, drink their liquor. I'm, bro, I remember how mad my mom got when two of my parents' friends came over one time. And it was the first time they had been to the house, right? The lady just starts walking through our house. Like, oh, this is nice. Oh, that's nice. She's just walking through. And I could see the struggle in my mom's eyes (laughs) of not wanting to cuss her out but wanting to cuss her out. And also right. slapper, right? Um, and they put it into that quick. She only got through the kitchen, and that was it. From the front door to the kitchen, that was it. And yeah, that's a that's an understood thing with black people that you you yeah. you conduct yourself a certain way in our home. You just don't walk around. Don't walk I think through. you teach your kids that, right? Oh, please! Like I, before, the kids can even walk. You know, you don't just walk through someone's house. There's, like, there's a respect. Of, yeah, there's a domain respect. Yes. That you just kind of know. Yes. Oh, you should know. Yeah, and, and, and I guess that, 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 that that's a good distinction. You know, you look at movies. One thing that I think that we have in common with as far as viewers, we we parallel a black experience. <laughs> yes. To, just, to the white experience that we see. Yes. You know, Very and, much so. Uh, and Jerry Jerry uh, Langford's character, you're right. He was way he was way too more nice. tame. Then I think if that happened with a Samuel Jackson and when you rolled up to his oh. house and did, and did that. He was too <laughs> nice, bro. <laughs> he was way too nice because I was already, like, I was literally watching the movie thinking of how I would shoot Rupert for yeah. walking in my house like that and just yeah. going upstairs and, like, going through rooms. Bro. I, like, he could have legally murdered both of them, right? Most, like, and and, and it would have been okay. It would have been all right. And he wouldn't even did a day in jail, right? You're, you're trespassing. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm afraid for my life. Yes, <laughs> yeah. very I think, much so. I think, you, I think you, yeah, you're right. It's well established. Rupert was crazy yeah. well, well early into this movie, man. Well, yeah, he's well much, into the movie. He and, wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't driven into anything. Because, because, because Jerry asked him, "Has anyone ever told you? <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone ever told you how much of an idiot that you are?" Like. <laughs> <laughs> Like he did say some shit like that. Yeah, yeah like yeah, man, do you know? Like, if you <laughs> are you are you aware? Are you aware? Yeah, that you <laughs> are really a dumb motherfucker. <laughs> like, bro, and that's when I felt bad for the the the, the black woman, the Rhea, the yes. girl. That's when yes. I felt bad for her because that's when she realized this motherfucker, this and, crazy motherfucker. And that's when I realized I would not have shot at her. I would have shot at Rupert. Cause she was like, "I'm sorry, I thought this shit was real." Yes. Legit. I, but yeah, then she, she also like stole to, from him. 
She also <laughs> stole something from him. Like <laughs> that's, that's 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 the okay. That's that, that's where we got to kind of go somewhere with Scorsese. That's a directorial yes. depiction. Yes. Yes. Because it know, had nothing girl, to do with the film. I, that, well, she's, that a black, she's a black woman in yes. a rich white man's house. You know, she works in a bar. She's going to steal. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming that's what Scorsese wants you to get from that. Scorsese, you know, he, he is a white Italian, man. And he's like 70 plus. So, you know, if you look at his filmography, you'll find the bullshit. Yeah. You'll find the bullshit. There's a disgusting fucking scene, man. I'm just going, this is the podcast and this is what we yes. do. Man. Yes, yes. No, fuck it. I'm I'm off today, and we're knocking on two hours. <laughs> we're gonna ride this out. But there's a disgusting fucking scene. Like I said, I I, I, I like as a director, love to say so. You know, I, I can't say that enough. But I'm wondering his his whole his his, his is he a racist? You know, I'm I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> where, where where he is as far as race is concerned because there's a scene in Taxi. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's Taxi Driver, rather. Taxi Driver. Another Scorsese director movie, you know, classic Scorsese movie, where that, uh, in a, well, a role he plays. He mm-hmm. directed Taxi Driver, and, and there's a role in it he plays. Have you ever seen Taxi Driver? I haven't. Check out Taxi Driver. There's a role he plays in it where he's actually in De Niro's cab, and he he's uh, playing a character where he's spying on his wife in the cab because mm-hmm. she's fucking a nigger. That's, that's, this is his... This, this, his that dialogue. is his words. That's the script. She's fucking a nigger, and he has a gun. <laughs> <laughs> and his intention is to go up there and kill the nigger that's fucking his wife. Scorsese played the role. Now, he says that the person who was initially intended to play the role didn't show up that day or some shit. So that's how he he stepped in. Mm-hmm. But you know, That's another like- reason why I don't watch a lot of Quentin Tarantino films. He's too comfortable. Yeah. Well, he's chilled out, you know, lately, right? I don't know. I didn't see that last. Uh, wasn't what was it? Um, Once upon a time in Hollywood or something like that. I haven't seen the new one, but everything. Every time I, I watch a movie, he finds a way to to have someone in some way, shape, or form say "nigger." Yeah. Well, in some way, I mean, shape, or form. That, that's just one of his movies, man. There's a couple of movies that you'll find that shit in Scorsese stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, like I said, I don't have an issue with it. It's he's it's Scorsese's Italian. Um, he's an Italian baby boom, I believe. You know, he's he's a pretty old guy. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that there's some, you know, it could be, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me is what I'm saying. That's not shocking, but those things stand out to me. It wouldn't surprise way. you if he was racist. No, nah, not at all. Yeah, nah. I just find those little depict like what we going back to this movie, coming back to King of Comedy. Like, why did the bitch have to steal something? You know, it literally had nothing girl... to do with the film. Yeah, it, it just literally had nothing you know, to do with it. Yeah, it just kind of was like out of nowhere that she just stole some shit. Yeah, out of the when she. Now I would have expected it from uh from from Masha or how do you pronounce her name? I would have expected that from her. If that was or Rupert or Rupert, I would have expected that particular thing from one of those two characters because they were already established. Because I kind of that 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 breeze past me till you said that. What did she? What did she tell you? Remember what she told? It was some little trinket that was on a table. I don't even know what it was. Spoon or some shit. It was something real simple, like maybe like a little statue or something. I I don't remember. I gotta look back at. But she did steal something. I remember. She she put it in her purse and and walked out the room, and. 
I was wondering about that. I'm like, well, what does that have to do? Because I'm thinking, oh, this is going to come up again toward the black. end of the film. That's the only thing. When I remember the scene, you know, and that's what screamed to me is that this is a black woman. He, see, he brought this black woman mm-hmm. to, to his, this rich, you know, this nice, rich, wealthy situation, mm-hmm. and she stole some shit. Mm-hmm. Because she would have did that if he did know Jerry, that that's what she would have, she would have stole some. Yeah. If, if he wasn't, that, when you look at that scene, and just kind of looking at it in another scenario, let's just say he did know Jerry. Let's just say he was invited up there. Mm-hmm. They're telling you that woman would have stole something. That's the woman, you know, the black woman he brought with him would have stole some shit. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but that, yeah, yeah. You, that that was that was kind of a like, yeah. Where did that come from? It was it was just off, you know. Yeah. Again, like like I like I said, I would have expected that from Rita. I mean, not Rita, but um, from uh, Masha or Rupert. Yeah. Because they were already established as being crazy and irrational and just doing stuff that was just that had nothing to do with anything. There was that was already established characteristics of those people. Um, for her to do that and just be this bartender that that is you know that seems to be hardworking and stuff like that, it just doesn't yeah. add up. It doesn't add up at all. Yeah, it it was kind of out of nowhere. Just like the, the, the I'm gonna kill this nigger. This, yeah, you know. I killed this nigga fucking my wife scene mm-hmm. from Taxi Driver. It's like, whoa, man! Like, what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's all that about. Yeah, you know, it makes no sense. Yeah, uh, it makes no sense. But uh, so he 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 they, he gets thrown out of the compound. He goes back to the city, but he still was that uh, when he determined that okay, I'm about to kidnap this motherfucker. Yes, it, that went right into the kidnapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was one scene though about this. Just kind of rewind when I talk about scenes that I liked about this movie, a little parts of it. Because okay, we're, 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 there's a lot of things you can walk away with with this movie. Mm-hmm. One of them is celebrity, the the effect of celebrity, the toxic effect that celebrity has on our culture. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that that's one that's one. I guess theme or one message, so to speak, of this film that that I was really drawn to because there's a scene where Jerry Langford, his name is Jerry, so it's, you know either way, mm-hmm. but there's a scene where Jerry uh, was walking up the street. I think he was just leaving his office or leaving the studio or whatever, and he comes across this woman in a phone booth that recognizes him. You remember that, that yeah. scene? Yeah. And you know he speaks to he entertains her bullshit. But she wants him to not only entertain her, uh, entertain her, but she's on the phone with her son or some shit or her nephew, and she's like, you know, talk to my nephew. He's, you know, and and, and he's like, nah, you know, and he and he keeps it moving on her, and the bitch tells him, you know, I hope you get cancer. Yeah, that was <laughs> that like was you, wild. Like, like, but but you know, I like that scene because that's how that's how it is out here. You know, these people people. In, in these little celebrity psychosis mm-hmm. elements, they, they go into these celebrity, you know, tunnels and they love these people. But, you know, at the same time, you see people turn. Yeah, as soon as they don't get what they want. Exactly. Now they're and, the devil. Yes, they're, they, and they rip you to shreds. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's just human nature in general. You know? Yeah, yeah. But that that was just funny how that went down. But kind of fast forwarding a little bit because... uh. You know, we knocking on two hours, but the kidnapping scene. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your what, what? What did you think about that? What did you? 
Because you said you had some thoughts about when they actually snatched him off the street and they yeah. dropped dropped the gun and yeah. Yeah, I I um I think what you said earlier makes sense. Um, I didn't real I didn't pick up on the whole uh, thing about her um about Masha knowing Jerry's schedule, but right there, you know, they're 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 driving next to him while he's walking uh, on the sidewalk, and. It's kind of weird because they know exactly where to be, what time to be, what time to be there, and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that that plays into what you were saying before about her knowing the schedule. But the yeah, the the actual kidnapping portion of it was just off because I was thinking about it. Not only should they have reshot that because the gun fell and you could hear how plastic it was, but I put myself like into that portion of like if I were Jerry and this happened to me and I heard that gun fall, what would my reaction have been? It wouldn't have been to just go ahead and get into the back seat. Yeah. I would have walked off. Like, come on. Move, yeah, get um after walk because uh like I said earlier, I watched it again mm-hmm. for the podcast. And after watching it again, it did kind of seem like Jerry didn't really I don't know. It's kind of like he he didn't seem he felt he was in any real danger at all mm-hmm. through the whole ordeal. Like he he did, he never really came off concerned. He he, he, played, he seemed and, calm. Yeah, he, he was he was relatively chill about the whole thing. Um, it's almost like he just kind of like okay, whatever. I'm gonna let you motherfuckers just even the whole tied to the chair mm-hmm. tape tape to the chair thing that seemed a little ridiculous. Yeah. Like I, 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 that's one thing about the movie. That's probably the one thing I can say about this movie that was, uh, was probably, I guess a, a low point and really wasn't played off. Well, was the whole kidnapping scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was probably one of the weaker, weaker parts of the movie was how they actually got him from the street to, her apartment even even when he broke loose you know when she just was having her complete psychotic <laughs> yeah. breakdown in front of him and then her psychotic breakdown evolved into this uh, this little horny expression which mm-hmm. was ready to fuck him completely taped to a chair like his whole body like he yeah. was a, a he's <laughs> like a ball <laughs> like a, like a mass of test with a mass of tape yeah. you know she was pursuing him sexually in that situation. But, uh, okay, he, so he finally breaks loose, or she cuts him loose, actually. she He tricks her yeah. to cut him loose. And he basically was going to kill her ass because he shot the gun to the feet. <laughs> Some kind of way he got a hold to the gun. She was completely disarmed that she kidnapped this man mm-hmm. to the point where she was able to, to... She left the gun. He was able to get a hold to the gun. Even that played kind of stupid. Yeah, the, the whole like I said, the, the kidnapping scene was the weakest part of the movie. That was. I'll just, I'll just you know say rapid at that. The kidnapping scene was the, was the weakest part, and when the the way he escaped was even a little bit more hokey because he gets the gun, he shoots it at her, discovers the gun is fake. Like you said, you kind of discovered when he dropped the gun mm-hmm. when uh, Rupert dropped the gun earlier. In the kidnapping, you discovered the gun was fake. So lo and behold, the gun was actually fake. It shot a few pellets, <laughs> and, and she just stands there, 
to the point giving him time to slap the shit out of her. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That that was weak. That whole it, part it just, was weak. Yeah, it, it just didn't it was you know, it, it was a it was a low point in the movie. Yeah. The kidnapping part was a low point in the movie. But um you know what's interesting though about about this this movie coming approaching the ending because the ending, uh, just you know, just kind of wrapping it up toward toward the ending. The mm-hmm. ending comes to the point when Rupert uh, is successful with getting these damn cops, these agents, mm-hmm. to allow him the opportunity <laughs> to uh, to deliver a monologue. He has Jerry. He he's under the impression Jerry's held up in Marsha's apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rupert convinces or works. Uh, I, I'm not gonna say convince, but um, Manipulated, manipulated them and pressured them, you know, into giving him his what seven minute spot yeah. on Jared Langford show, which was okay. actually really good. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. You know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't particularly good. You know, but considering you know how crazy he was, it's good for him. For him, that's, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, for, for him, him, for him, it was good. Yeah, I give you that. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. For him to be as mentally off as he was, for him to give a coherent. coherent. <laughs> uh, monologue you know of that of that magnitude was yeah. him yeah but uh but even with that that is where i wanted to go with that is listening to that monologue right mm-hmm. i walked away with some of that stuff was was relevant to his life and contributed to the nut that he was yes you know he was talking about his alcoholic parents and uh, even though his mom wasn't dead i think somewhere in, in that monologue he said his mom was dead but we know his mom it's not dead. He lived with his mom. Right. Right. So, yeah, we knew that, you know, he has an act. It wasn't, in fact, an act. Mm-hmm. But I believe the parts where, you know, he felt ignored and um, I think he the, the jokes were uh, based a lot on him being uh, isolated as a kid or maybe not really given any attention. That was Rupert. Puppet. Yes. Yes. That was him. Yes. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I believe even down to the point where he said he said his dad kicked his ass. Like mm-hmm. all those, all those, you know, little tidbits that he, uh, you know, flipped into comedy mm-hmm. for that monologue. I believe actually was Rupert Pumpkin and is what made the the man that he was, the mentally unstable man that he was. Mm-hmm. So uh, wrapping this up. You know, he goes to jail. They take him immediately to jail after he makes a stop that they allow him to make. Again, you know, this man is, is if anything, we know we know he's crazy. We definitely know he's white. Oh, yeah. Because uh, he was able to convince, again, the police uh, to take him to Rita's job, mm-hmm. which is the bar. And there he, uh, he turns the TV on to... The Jerry Langford show where they air his monologue and Rita sees it and she looks like she's almost impressed or she's almost what, mm-hmm. what you know, I'm, I'm not going to say impressed, but the look on her face seemed as if she liked it. She was pleased by something she saw with that. Yeah. yeah. Which is crazy because these it's three men. What she thought these were his bodyguards or something. I don't know what she thought they were, but. It was that was uh, that was off. Again, there was a again the the the, the that particular role. Mm-hmm. That particular role just just like she was just this dumb woman. 
Yeah, it, it was, doesn't translate well. It doesn't translate well. It doesn't translate to me as a as a black dude watching yeah. it. I should say. Yeah. Like, well, she, she has yeah, the look on her face when she's the whole because he, he he gets on the damn she stands on the bar stool for one, so he's crazy. The dude is out of his fucking mind. The man, yeah. is, the man is out of his fucking mind, and it's beginning to be clear throughout the movie that this dude is out of his fucking mind. Mm-hmm. You know, he hops on the bar the bar stand on the, at this woman's job, turns himself on TV. He gives this amount. This this how we see it. We see it through this experience mm-hmm. of him, you know, showing it to this girl. And he's ushered out of the, the bar, like I said, by these men who she doesn't really know, but it, it kind of appears they could be cops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Way, you know, <laughs> it, or bookies or some shit, you Something. know. Like, it's, it's, it appears that he's in a situation that's odd. But Scorsese, Scorsese shows us, <clears throat> excuse me, Rita's character, as if she's remorseful, as if she's impressed. I don't know. It was weird. She's, she's not taken aback by what she just saw. That's no. what we, you know, and that's a, that's a weird, that's a weird uh, element to the ending. Yeah, it, that was very weird. And yeah. he still became a celebrity. I think he only did like, I think they said he did like two, three years or something like that. Yeah, he got sentenced to six years. Six years, yeah. He did something two. Like, mm-hmm. Served two or he didn't serve six years. He, he didn't serve. Yeah. He didn't serve the sentence, but he wrote a he wrote a, a memoir in prison. He became a celebrity. That's what that's actually what he became. One. What you know, what we initially get is that he becomes an instant celebrity. He's on the cover of all these magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, he writes a memoir in jail that he releases, mm-hmm. and uh, actually we're led to believe he gets a, he gets his own show. Yeah, he finally gets a show. Now the question is, and I have heard this question raised: um, Is any of that reality? Did any that, of that really happen? Now that is a good point. I don't know, but like, because like I said, with this film, yeah, with this film, you don't know what's reality and what's fake in certain aspects of it. Um, that might just be where he, where 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 his mind went off to um like like he had all the success when in reality he was probably still in jail at that point yeah it, it's kind of uh I'm it's not left to interpretation yeah it left to interpretation it's, it's one of those endings that's left to interpretation yeah um but i, I kind of disagree with you i think the parts of the film that are meant to lead you to believe he's imagining shit are pretty clear. Like, I, I, it's pretty clear that, you know, the conversation he had with Jerry in his office when Jerry was kissing his ass mm-hmm. about the, the audio tape, that's pretty, it's pretty clear that that's a figment of his of his own thinking, of mm-hmm. his head. Um, the scene where he uh, marries the girl, of course. Yeah. You know, he marries the girl on in the studio. You know, so I, I think the movie is pretty clear on what's in his head, except for that ending. Except for that ending, so that that's where I would probably uh, agree with you in that respect. That the film leads you to believe that he has a lot of reality in his own mind. Mm-hmm. It shows you. It shows you he has a lot of shit in his own mind that he that he veers off to, and it shows you the reality that he is in, where he is absolutely out of his mind, and mm-hmm. people are repelled by him in many respects, um, to the point where it's embarrassing because you don't really dislike Rupert. I didn't in this movie. He's not a dislikable character. He's no. just crazy. 
and he kind of he kind of repels you. You kind of want to get away from him, but he's not. And really, you feel sorry for him too, a lot. You feel you kind of feel sorry for him. In this he's movie. he's a nice guy. Yeah, but he's kind of he's not like a totally dislikable dude. He's not like yeah. a, a dude you just can say I, I hate this dude. Get away yeah. from. Him. Yeah, but he's obviously crazy, and um, you see that in the movie. Is my point um, yeah. that the the aspects that are meant to show you his head space and how nutty he is in his own mind and the aspects that are meant to show you his reality, I think are pretty very well communicated um, by Scorsese in this one. But that reality uh, factor or lack thereof at the end is intentional. Uh-huh. And that's what I like about the ending, you know, because you don't really know if did he dream up this this life. But what's funny is where I want to go with this and my closing point, and I'll let you have it before we leave, is that Today, right now, today, man, that's really how celebrity works. That's true. You get, you get famous for, for, for some crazy shit. Mm-hmm. And you can get on the cover of Time magazine probably for doing some shit like that in today's society. You you can't. People write book deals for any fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're associated with something that's newsworthy, there's probably going to be a book from somebody that's going to come out of it. And they will get the TV time. They will get the interviews. They will get a reality show or something probably Mm -hmm. and be a legitimate celebrity. So what I walk away with with this movie, from this movie, I should say, is that Rupert Pumpkin could legitimately be a celebrity in real life. That could, that, that could have happened. That ending could happen in real life. It's not a, it's not a far-fetched situation. He could have very, that very well could have happened to him right now in today's society. And I'm going to go so far to say he could be president. He could be a Donald Trump type figure. Well, I mean, nothing is off limits now. Trump is pumpkin. <laughs> Trump, Trump is, is pumpkin. Trump is pumpkin for real. I, I, <laughs> What's the movie, man? Yeah, so, uh, yeah. D, any closing thoughts on this, man? Before we get up out of here with this. Ah, I, I mean, I think I think that that movie should be regarded as one of De Niro's best pieces and even Scorsese's best pieces um that that was a that was a that was a classic movie and and I like I said before I would not mind seeing them pick up now in his later years um to see what happened and if the closing was reality or fiction I I would not mind seeing that um but overall thought the movie was really good very well done um Aside from those little small little hiccups, well, not small, but those little hiccups that 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 we pointed out, I thought I thought it was well done, very well put together. I agree, um, and I'll, I'll just add that this is a story that has some life to that has a little life to it. Um, you can, it can be it could be translated in today's time. Most definitely. I probably I wouldn't mind seeing something done with this or something done like this. I'm curious to see how Joker. Uh, mirrors this movie because yeah. it also says, ironically, I've I've read something that says that this movie, or Joker rather, mirrors this movie and Taxi Driver, which ah. are both Scorsese movies. Yes. So, and for you to say that Scorsese had some interest in Joker, uh, yeah, all, all of that makes uh, makes me say that yeah, it's worth watching. Check out the King of Comedy. It is a good movie. Uh, yes. With the with the and I'm actually I'm glad we had this conversation because I didn't discover and really put any thought into 
Rita's character like like you like you caused me to by talking about this movie. Yeah, and it was just, just weird. the way just her her depiction, you know. Yeah. It is a little it is a little odd. But beside that and and you know, the kind of uh the well orchestrated or the the bad orchestrated uh kidnapping scene, besides those little things, man, it's a good movie, man. Mm-hmm. It's 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 overall a good movie. Not one of my favorite movies of all time, but definitely one of my favorite Scorsese movies. Most definitely. And um, I definitely recommend it to the society, man. Check this one out. The King of Comedy, 1982's The King of Comedy, starring Robert De Niro and Jerry Lewis, directed by Martin Scorsese. Uh, We'll be talking about him uh, in the future uh, at some point with this new movie he has coming out on Netflix, uh, The Irishman. Yes. A lot of buzz behind that, so um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing De Niro and Pacino and Joe Pesci mm-hmm. uh, in the same in the same space working on the screen together. Also, uh, keep a lookout for a bonus episode that uh, me and Derek are putting together in uh, in uh, I don't, don't want to say in honor, but just in conversation. You know, we, we want to have a conversation, a long-form conversation about the career of Eddie Murphy. You know, Eddie Murphy, like I mentioned earlier, is one of my favorite talents, period. Comedic actor, greatest comedic actor of all time. So we're going to dedicate a bonus episode to every, uh, or bonus episodes, I should say, to every movie Eddie made. We're going to talk about Eddie Murphy and just, you know, dedicate time to his career and some bonus episodes. Um, right here on the No Chase Film Society podcast. So check that out. Look for that in the feed as well. And uh, other than that, man, um, that's it. It's yes, been sir. a good one, D. Yep, another one in the books. Uh, so you want, to th- you want to throw out there what we're going to talk about next? Or we want to just kind of just wait? Cause I think we should wait. Let's just wait. Yeah, just, yeah. Just follow us on Instagram, man. Yes. I am Chris Ali. That's Ali, A-L-E. And uh, at OTS guys. Yeah, follow us on there. Keep a lookout. We're gonna post the next uh, the next film we talk about. Other than that, uh, that's it, man. Thank y'all. We'll see you next time.